Hey, this is Vanessa. This is Carlos. And you're listening to Retro Ad Review. This is a podcast where we select a couple of random old TV commercials and review them. So if you like commercials, listen in. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Retro Ad Review. Hi, everybody. The only show that, as far as I'm aware, that talks about commercials and features us. I'm pretty sure we could say that. Talks about a visual medium while only listening to <laughs> Don't bring up our shortcomings. So we are here and we're very excited to do this episode. What is this? That actually makes it more interactive. You have to look it up with us. <laughs> All right. Uh, this episode is about movie tie-ins. We all like movies. We all like buying stuff from the movies. So... We combine them. That's one of the big things about film nowadays. It's all about selling things too. What is it? Who started? Here's it? a superhero. I'm... Here's a toy. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm not saying that this is actually the case, but I, I, in my mind, I have it that Star Wars is the one that kind of made that happen. I don't know. Maybe look up one of those YouTube videos. I said facts you didn't know, and it probably is there. So here we are. I think rather than just blathering on about nothing, I'm going to just get in straight into this stuff. So here's our first one, and it is about spooky space. Alien! Yo, Hicks! Something big is in the air! It's the alien flying queen! Some gorillas send in the ultimate space marine, Atax, disguised in his big bad bug suit. He sneaks in and takes him out. But the flying queen unmasks him. <sighs> send in Hicks and the heavily armored evac fighter. Send in the marines. Blast them. Yeah. And bottle them. And it's bye bye bug. Each sold separately. Aliens. Well, well, well. This is a weird commercial. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's um. <laughs> It's a lot going on in this commercial. It's okay though. It's good. I remember specifically for some reason this commercial as a kid. I guess it played a lot, or maybe it was a VHS we recorded sometime or something. But I remember seeing this one a lot. And the funniest thing to me is like, why is Raphael Ninja Turtle? Yeah, that's what I was gonna <laughs> say. Yakko Warner like, talking about aliens. I was gonna say that. I was like, hold on, I'm pretty sure that's the voice. Okay. <laughs> So this is Aliens. If you want to watch the actual commercial itself, it's called Aliens Action Figures Toy Commercial from 1993. So the commercial is a standard toy commercial. It shows aliens. It shows the logo for aliens. And then it shows, I don't know, the, it shows kind of like a commando guy and a guy in like a, a command center shooting up aliens, like the aliens <laughs> from aliens, like real life. But then it cuts to the toys. So it shows like a toy alien flapping its wings. And it shows, you know, how the aliens spit acid. It shows water. That's actually a really cool toy. I'd like to have that toy. The water one? Yeah, the water one's cool. Yeah, so you're in a water gun fight with your friends in elementary. You don't have any water guns, so you bring the alien toy. <laughs> so for those of you who can't see, it's an alien toy, like 
in the shape of an xenomorph. But yeah, xenomorph. But you kind of press its head down, and like a whole load of water shoots out. So it's it looks really cool. Anyway, it shows some of the characters like Atax. Atax. <laughs> Whatever this is, Atax. Right. It it's it's the standard toy commercial where it's action figures, and here's a new spaceship, and it's the kids kind of going, "Whoa, this ship can fly!" Even though they're just using their hand to kind of make it fly. But it's got a bunch of cool toys like the spaceship thing. ATAX is short for Alien Tactical Advantage Explorer. Yeah, because I guess they couldn't get the rights to Zagorny Weaver's face or something. Or saying Xenomorph X Xenomorph, you had it right there. <laughs> yeah, that's the commercial. That's the whole commercial. It's just kids playing with toys. Yeah. I don't know. Something about this one doesn't quite get me as much as no. <laughs> All right. So about the movie that this was based on, Aliens. The commercial was around 92, 93 when Alien 3 was coming out. Ooh la la. But since they couldn't show you what Alien 3 was, and Alien 3 was pretty violent, the more action-oriented Aliens, which was already out, was the one that they based it off, the Kenner toy company. Aliens... Is a movie, a 1996 movie, and the sequel to Alien. Alien, directed by Ridley Scott, was released in 1979, and it was a box office success. A sequel was discussed immediately after because they like money. <laughs> money. We like money. Production house Brandywine had support from Al Ladd Jr., president of 20th Century Fox. Ladd later left... And the new studio heads were less enthusiastic about the sequel. Aww. Brandywine later sued for the profits of Alien because they said that Lad promised them a different thing. So it was settled in 1983. More shifting happened and new studio heads were more interested in Aliens and they were trying to make it go forward. The producers saw James Cameron's script for The Terminator, and they liked it. So they contacted him and said, hey, could you write up something? He wrote up a 45-page treatment in four days, but the studio heads were still lukewarm on the idea. Because, well, it was a big movie, but it was kind of small. And costs and niche interest in sci-fi, which isn't super huge, would a sequel even work? Was it... It was niche. It wasn't like, I don't... It wasn't, but sci-fi as a genre is still niche. Yeah, I don't get it. All right, whatever. They were just like, nah, this is going to suck. We're not interested. Yeah, they were like, hey, maybe this isn't going to work, so do something better. The Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger was working on the Terminator and Conan, so they had to put a production stops on them. I thought you were talking... Wait, did you say Conan? Yeah, Conan the Destroyer. Oh, okay. I don't know. I, I thought you meant Conan O'Brien. No. During breaks from the, the Terminator, James Cameron continued working on the script for Aliens. So this was like in the 80s or something, sometime in the 80s. Yeah, the early 80s because wow. the movie came out in 1986. His script took the series from suspenseful because the first one's like a really claustrophobic monster movie, slasher movie in space. Yeah. To action oriented, like war and guns and stuff. 
they made him a deal. If the Terminator was a success, he would be able to make aliens. And was the Terminator a success? Yeah. Yeah, it was. I'm pretty but sure it was a success. Because it's James Cameron, his sequel was better. <laughs> <laughs> hey, does that mean Avatar 2 is going to be amazing? never saw Avatar. So I I hope, isn't there. Avatar like the biggest movie ever? Yeah, but like... I remember reading it was it was Avengers Endgame, but because of the pandemic, they re-released Avatar in China, so it pushed it up there or something like that. That's weird. Uh, no, I think it was because I think also like the there was a there was a whole three D hype at the time, so I think that also pushed up like IMAX tickets and stuff like that. But when it came out, wasn't it still kind of like uh, this is weird or too dumb or something like that? Or two CGI. It it didn't have as much critical acclaim as Titanic or something, right? Yeah, I I sort of feel the film didn't have the cultural, I don't know if this word's like cachet that like a lot of these other films have. It feels like for the the biggest film ever released, just doesn't feel like it had much of anything. Like maybe, oh yeah, that thing. (laughs) Maybe in the future when we're in the metaverse and like the kids in future generations Don't you ever say we're in the metaverse electronic stuff they're probably gonna look back at that at the, the very beginning of the thing it opened some doors and blah blah, blah. Yeah, yeah maybe so uh production had some troubles shocking there was tension between the u.s and the british and the british wanted more breaks a lot of it had to do with too many tea breaks and a lot of the crew <laughs> thought james cameron was too young and inexperienced how old is james cameron at this stage i'm not sure but he only did like piranha 3d and the terminator or something like that what yeah he got to start with roger corman and all that super cheap stuff so they thought he was too inexperienced for the which was a big budget that is kind of crazy so Cameron fired the director of photography for constantly being late and much of the crew walked out, but his other producer uh, coaxed them all back in and it just was kind of nuts. Wow. So it's a bit of a messy production. Yeah, of course. It's always like that. Every time <laughs> there's a big movie that's good, they say, hey, look, the production was great. Do you know what it is? It's not Nothing ever went smooth. That's the thing. It's if it if it's a great film people want to know the backstory behind it and there's always going to be like and then this happened people like whoa that's crazy how we had the creature done but then the studio exploded Uh oh yeah that sort of thing (laughs) yeah it it is pretty much that sort of thing so yeah i don't know anyway sorry as far as casting goes sigourney weaver who i don't know if i felt like i knew this before but i found out while researching (laughs) her name is susan (laughs) susan Susan oh, is Weaver. it like a location or something, Sigourney? Or... I don't know. It's, but pretty, it's definitely a weird was, name, but whatever. She was reluctant to return, but James Cameron convinced her. The studio didn't want her, partially because of money, but Cameron convinced them. So Cameron's a good negotiator guy, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so most of the actors he got were from his movie, The Terminator. Like... Oh. Uh, that's cute. Michael Bain, of course. Hicks. Right. Who was uh, uh, Kyle Reese, okay. Yeah. So he just got a bunch of people he knew f- and worked with. All hey, that must have been great for them because then they were probably like, oh, good. I can get some more money. I can get consistent work with this director. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is very much about connections Tim, here. Bill Paxton. 
But one of the newcomers was the little girl, Newt. Cameron wanted a, an unknown, and apparently a complete unknown. The little girl didn't do anything, no commercials, nothing. Casting agents just saw Carrie Henn at her school cafeteria in England. She was an American, but her father was stationed there, a U.S. military. That's bizarre. Well, is it? That's why I think she has a weird accent. She's like, oh, no. <laughs> and they mostly come at night. Mostly. Her name was Newt. It was like I know that her name was Newt, but it was just I just always think of it, and I'm like, oh yeah. I used to think I you I used to think it was um it was weird because I thought it was like I had never seen the film until very recently, so I thought that Newt was like the name of there's like a cat in it, right? Yeah, the cat was one of the only survivors in the first movie. Oh, yeah. What was your favorite part of the first movie? My favorite part is when they blasted the alien out, harpooned him and blasted him out of the jet. That is funny. Um, <laughs> I don't know when the robot's bad. Oh, yeah. That part's scary. I, the first one had like a creepier feel. Well, that was the whole point. It's two very yeah. interesting films. But anyway, go go on about this. We could talk about that in a bit. We still have to get to, to everything else. <laughs> yeah. So... It was, It turned out to be Carrie Henn's only acting role. Ever. She never really did anything else ever at all. Wow. But she still comes back well, good for with her. her retrospectives of aliens. And she didn't act all the way. A dummy was used for Newt when Ripley was carrying her because apparently carrying a freaking well, like 80-pound kid the whole time is going to be heavy for you. <laughs> yeah, I think um, What's-Her-Face was, was really strong. <laughs> Despite that, she just looks really strong anyway. Yeah, look at that. She's carrying a kid in a huge rifle thing, running away from aliens the whole time. That's really powerful. <laughs> she And she was out of it the whole time as well, as in like the characters meant to just have gotten like woken up, essentially. Yeah, after 57 years in cryosleep. It's a good show. It's a good show. It's a show. <laughs> I know. I just wanted to say, like, good show. So, the dummy was one of the props used and the studio who handled the rest of the stuff was Stan Winston studio. Who's really amazing. Hey, Stan Winston. I like Stan Winston. He designed the alien xenomorphs and the face huggers. The first one, they had like a seven foot guy in a freaking dark suit and made it dark. So they really didn't have to point out its flaws and stuff. But Stan Winston he made rubbery, more flexible suits. That's why they're more, uh, you know. Yeah, agile. That one's good. Yeah, they do look more like like they're ready to jump versus versus just kind of like monster. Yeah, they're crawling over the walls. They got acrobatic stunt people like dancers and fitness people in more flexible suits at the time. Mannequins were used for the stationary shots when the aliens were shot. There was like eight foot mannequins, and then when they shot them, the blood spurted out and everything. That's really neat. The face huggers, he tried to make them more dynamic. He had strings hidden on the set and on the actor's clothes to simulate the movements better. So it wasn't like robotics and everything, like the hand like face hugger thing. It was just strings yeah. pulling all the little finger things. That's kind of cool. <laughs> so it's like, we need to save on money. Here, strings. <laughs> it's a very creative, very creative uh, place. And the queen was probably the biggest thing of it all, at least for me. Well, I've probably the literal biggest thing. It was except pretty for massive. 
except for maybe the set. The queen was 14 feet tall. That's a very tall queen. And they initially created the prototype in the United States, but then flew to England to actually make it there. So like, here's the prototype. This is how we're going to make it when we get to England. Then they made it there. Dang. It was big enough to hold two people so they could control one half of the queen's body. They had like two different heads, a heavy head and a light head so they can put it back and everything. Dang. And needed many controllers and mechanics to operate, like hydraulics and stuff, to move it. And that's just crazy to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And like the first one, they couldn't show all of its flaws, so they hit it with a bunch of steam and lighting and other effects. Like when they're at the queen's hive with the eggs, like the steam and everything. That's Mm. why it looks all disorienting. I think they had to break down the elevator because the queen's tail was too big to for the, the set at the moment so they had to break down the elevator put her tail there's so many people involved in making these films (laughs) i know that's a stupid comment but it's just like there's so many pieces to make a really good film like even a bad film you feel kind of bad in a way but (laughs) it's just like oh anyway anyway, sorry sorry and in the finale the power loader they had two guys controlling each of the arms and stuff because it wasn't a functional machine it was a fake prop so two guys and strings were controlling the the power loader at the end when she uses the power loader to fight the queen wow get away from her you bitch so yeah there's a lot of effects and a lot of craziness going on in this movie and for me it turned out really well <laughs> for most people i'd say and of course other people yeah because it is considered among the best sci-fi action and sequels ever and the film was a success earning 180 million dollars which james cameron predicted because uh i don't know if it's true or if it's apocryphal when he was pitching the movie to the guy to the studio heads he wrote what's aliens like or alien 2 and then he wrote it's not aliens aliens then he wrote aliens with the s and then Mm -hmm. put two bars over the s and said that's what aliens is (laughs) (laughs) Like I mean, I think it was, wasn't it? In the end, well, it, it ended up being. Out. And for me personally, I really liked this movie. I I forgot what I first saw it as a kid. So crazy awesome. I was like, oh my gosh, the aliens and the space marines and the... Just and big monsters. Because it, it, it felt like what I would like as a kid. And it still works as you get older, I guess, because maybe when you're a parent, you relate to Ripley and the kid. I think, yeah, that's true, actually. Relating to Ripley and the kids, a big piece. I personally think that it is the greatest film ever made. Nah, I think, um, well, okay, so some background on me and my life. I never saw Alien. I was around for a lot of it. (laughs) I never saw Alien and I never saw Aliens up until like a few months ago. I just never got around to it. Even though I did want to watch it, I wasn't like one of those people who's like, Ugh, I don't want to get involved in the hype or something like that. So just never really watched it. It was a really interesting experience to watch both just like one after the other, because the first one is this is all very obvious, the stuff that I'm going to say, because I mean, it's just what it is. It was really interesting to see like this really spooky Jaws in space thing where 
this one woman is just trying to escape. It's quite scary. It's quite like bleak and it feels low budget, I suppose. Yeah, because this one is Space Marines. The other one, they were just. Yeah, uh, it, it feels low workers. budget. And I don't mean it in that in a mean way. I just mean it in a way that's like it, it did feel like the kind of film that didn't necessarily have a lot going for it. It's just like, a you know, a bottle episode. Everyone's trapped in one room. So like I feel like that's that that it really gave off that creepy vibe. Even when the 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 monster, the alien, I want to say monster because it feels like a monster movie. When the alien disappears or gets blown out into space, it's just so quiet. It's just kind of a very and it, and it ends. You know what I mean? It's, it doesn't feel like wow, huge. You know. That's what I like about part three too. I don't know why, but it has like an ASMR calming effect to me. God, I hate ASMR. So quiet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and, and we watched it together, and you just kept laughing when they harpooned the alien and blasted it out of the ship. Yeah, it, it, I don't know why. It just because <laughs> it kind of did look like a giant seven foot man in a suit. <laughs> yeah, it's like I know they killed that man. And then I and then I watched Aliens two, obviously, and um. And it was just like, whoa, the tone of this film is is wildly out of sync with the tone of the previous film. That's what the I other like. one is like survival, survival, survival. But like you you're 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 escaping with only left with only the skin of your teeth. And a meanwhile, cat. the other one is just like, All right, I'm gonna blow everyone away. Like that's what it it was just kind of like this is a horror movie versus an action movie. And they both are really good. They're both really enjoyable to watch. That's what I like the most because uh, the greatest sequel they always say is The Godfather, but it's a continuation in the same style. It's yeah. Like, okay. But it's the prequel because it's how he came to power and all that. It, it fits it's- and it's good. But this one's like, it was suspenseful and dark, and this one's just action track craziness. Everyone it accepted it. Like, everyone yeah. accepted it. Like, it wasn't just like, Oh, you know, this film is is fine. Eh, who cares? It was just like, yeah, this is a great film and the other one's a great film and they're all part of the same kind of like history. I, you know, these are good films. And because it's just- it succeeded in the box office, they were like, okay, so it does work. Now they just kept pumping out more and more. And yeah. the troubled production of Alien 3 and then Alien versus Predator and it's almost universally agreed the first two were the highlight of this yeah they were really good films like they were they were top films versus what came after i guess i really do like three i don't remember (laughs) very much but yeah it's 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 uh you feel bad for her i think that's all i want to kind of point out from it yeah like this poor woman has been through too much and they should just let her go to sleep because she has been through too much Okay, we should probably move on. We spent quite a bit of time on this, and we didn't even talk about the actual ad. And in my view, when it comes to the ad, I want those toys. Like basically, whenever there's a com a comic book, whenever there's an action figure that does something weird that isn't just you know karate chop action, I I want I want the toy. (laughs) It's just funny. Uh, The Kenner. They made these toys and they incorporated a lot into later things like the flying queen and the gorilla ones that spit the water acid at you. I just find it hilarious how stupid it is. It's like Atex in his big bad bug suit. It was okay. Don't they have like a way to sense themselves, right? 
Yeah, and I they don't. Sniff him is like, wait, that's a human. So it just pops out the <laughs> helmet, like, oh, it's a costume. Whoa! Yeah, if you haven't watched the commercial, watch it. He's like, I got a brilliant plan, and it has kind of like a storyline too, because at the beginning they have acted out scenes, and uh, in another one, Rob Paulson calls himself Hicks, the Michael Bane character. Right. They're unstoppable, but we're gonna stop them anyway. Send in the Marines. We're the Space Marines. Drake, Ripley, Avon, Bishop, and I'm Hicks, armed with the latest high-tech heavy metal. If you see the commercial, it's really funny to watch because it really, if you, if let's say you got into a coma and had just finished watching Alien, and then you saw this commercial after coming out of your coma. For aliens, you'd be a little confused because it's like, I thought I just watched, I thought that was a horror movie. Why is there like a child going, you're dead, alien? But action <laughs> movies lend themselves to toys the most. Yeah, of course they do. It's, like, just, like, it's just a funny one. And then one. you're it's like, wait, why are they making aliens toys six years later? <laughs> this to promote the other sense one. Yeah. Amongst the many issues that you might be having, having woken up from your... Uh, from your coma. Six year coma. <laughs> um, okay, so let's move on to the next one. The next one is one that's near and dear to me. And rather than saying the name of it afterwards, if you want to watch this commercial, it is called Batman Returns Serial Commercial 1992. Batman Returns, the greatest new serial Gotham City has ever known. Now it's marshmallow and chocolate flavored. With the amazing new Batmobile and incredible new villains, Catwoman, the Penguin. It's deliciously crunchy chocolate-flavored cereal and great marshmallow shapes. The action-packed cereal that's part of this complete breakfast. Batman Returns. There's never been a cereal like it. I still think of this commercial. <laughs> I still think of this cereal. Maybe you're thinking of the first one. No, I think of no, I think of both serials, but I just think of the Batman serials. And I think one of the reasons why I think about them a lot is that I really liked Captain Crunch. And these are say like honey glazed Captain Crunch. Yeah, and okay, okay, it's the first one that I'm thinking of more than I'm thinking of this one. But I do remember this one because of the the marshmallows. I really like the marshmallows. As far as I'm concerned, for me. This is the first Batman movie for me because I was too yeah, young. Yeah, me too. But you did watch the first one and got scared of it, right? It's the very first movie I ever watched. No, but was it you or our other sister that got scared of? No, probably, it was the, the very Joker. first movie I literally ever watched in the theater. I was. What, three. Which one are you talking about? Batman Returns? Batman. You remember when you're three, but you got scared, right? I got very scared. I was terrified of Jack Nicholson. And I went into mom's lap and went to sleep because I was so scared. I was I was genuinely terrified because I was just like, this is horrible. I don't like this at all. I don't know why they took me to Batman. They shouldn't have taken me to Batman. Probably, you don't remember it, so you won't get scared. Yeah, it was. No, that's a very clear memory. <laughs> mental scars. But I totally remember the Batman serial and the Batman Returns serial. Uh, both both great serials. It's just so funny how so it just shows clips in the movie with the Batmobile and then Batman's in his in his element. Just kidding. Like, his Batcave. For some reason, he's like analyzing the cereal and schematics of the cereal box and everything. It's a stupid commercial. 
I don't think you need to go that far into your greatest detective thing, Batman. It's like unless Batman. he's like searching for poison. Batman needs to relax. But shows clips through the through the thing. Batman Returns cereal. What does the box look like? It has a uh, Batman over the city and off to the bottom. It looks like a Christmas tree of the cereal, and his giant cape has Batman Returns over it with the bat signal. Yeah. So it just that's all it is, and then it's like with the Batmobile. Then it shows uh, a movie clip of the Batmobile and it shows the marshmallow of the Batmobile, then Catwoman, then the penguin with his top hat turns into a marshmallow. And the stupidest part for me, he does the schematics of the freaking waffle iron uh <laughs> what's it called? So basically the, the, um the really like check mix. Like <laughs> yeah. The yeah. cereal is checks mix. So that's so he's that's just doing that. Yeah. I like that joke in The Simpsons when they met George Lucas because they were trying to stop his new sequels or something like that. And then he says, wow, you guys really helped me out. Have Jar Jar cereal. It's just Apple Jacks with extra J's. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what they did. They just did this and then added some shaped marshmallows. And I mean, you're not going to make a brand new cereal, I guess. Kids are still stupid enough to like it, like apparently us. Oh, absolutely. Or our, co- our cousin was way more into it than us. Yeah, I would. What was my trajectory to this? Because for me, I still knew about Batman at this point, And I don't think I had watched the show yet. The show, which I really, really like. I think this was my first introduction to Batman, but I still knew who he was, and it was like, this is cool. It's but I guess Batman. I had some residual memory from the time we saw Batman 1989. I remember seeing Batman. I remember, oh man, I really want to watch this. It's I don't know what it is about Batman, like this Batman, but it's very Christmassy to me. I, I assume it takes place during Christmas. I don't know. Yeah, it does. It does, right? Yeah, yeah. it does at the beginning of the film. But anyway, about Batman itself, Batman Returns, as we've said, was the sequel to Batman 1989, which was kind of a a huge film, wasn't it? Like, it scared me. Yeah. It made lots of money. It was it, it was such a weird combination of things that film. until um a Prince 2001 with uh, what's his face the the X Men movie comic book movies weren't taken that seriously and they always kind of failed the only two that were really huge was superman 1979 yeah because and marlon brando decided to add his uh his star power to it and jack nicholson added his star power to batman 1989 and tim burton said he didn't really want to make a comic book movie he wanted to make a psychological profile of bruce wayne and i think he'd just come off of like a he had just come off of like Beetlejuice, so Tim Burton was kind of like, "Hey, know. Michael Keaton, you got you want a job?" <laughs> hey, Michael Keaton, uh, just just like David Cam- David Cameron, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> just like James Cameron brought in all of his buddies from Terminator to Aliens. That- he works with hey, the same people actually, like a hundred times. These are all sequels that we're doing. Yeah, I, that was the conceit. <laughs> I don't know why I just didn't register it but what i was okay. gonna say the reason why i said that was um aliens is a sequel but it's not like aliens 2 and batman returns is a sequel but it's not like batman 2 so it's... because they scrapped batman 2 yeah oh tying a link aliens the giant the colony oh the metal frames and everything it was used for uh batman 1999 ace chemicals where the 
Joker became the Joker. Oh. So the alien set was used for uh, Batman 1989. Interesting. I didn't know that. Very cool. So right. tell us of this Batman Returns, as so, it were. So, yeah. So it's a sequel to Batman, um, the 1989 Batman. And, yeah, before that, comic book movies weren't a big thing. It was Superman and, like, even Batman, the last Batman movie was the 1960s Batman, which was a massive joke. Can't get um, rid of a bomb. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, look it up on YouTube if you've never heard of the 1960s Batman. It's, uh, it's campy. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Anyway, Tim Burton wanted to do, like you were saying, he wanted to focus on more of the Bruce Wayne thing. But he didn't want to do it, and the studio kind of pushed him, and he ended up doing it um, and creating a really good film in the process. But he did consider Batman, now this is the original Batman, or 1989 Batman, his worst film, and he wanted more creative control. So he ended up getting more creative control for this film because of how successful the previous one was. And he brought in a lot of his own kind of people to make it to make it happen so i guess i think i think the first one was weird and i think the second one was weird but slightly darker looking i guess the one was more like comic book noir i felt it felt very like comic booky yeah so the screenwriter uh, daniel waters he didn't really care what comic book fans thought <laughs> so i don't think anybody actually cared much about what comic book fans wanted out of batman i think they just were like here's a really strong ip let's try to do something with it and sell yeah. some cereal in the process yeah tim burton said he really didn't know anything about comic books and kevin smith who's a big comic book fan said yeah it shows and they kind of went back and forth Tim Burton said, anybody that knows me knows that I would never read a comic book, which to me explains Batman. It's a, I don't care about Kevin Smith. Like, I'm fine with Kevin Smith, but like, he's a little too gatekeepy on comic books. Tell he's too gatekeepy as Tim Burton is. Tim Burton, Tim Burton has a special place in my heart because, well, I say that, that doesn't make any sense, but, um, I have a soft spot for Tim Burton because uh, only purely because of the Nightmare Before Christmas because that's one of the that's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a film I clearly remember watching, cr- clearly loving, and I still love the film. I got annoyed when I grew up and it got hot topicked to death or whatever, <laughs> um, but I just really, really love that film. And Tim Burton was the one who created like the characters and stuff, so that's why I like him. But I'm not a Tim Burton person. I think that's what was whenever I kind of communicated that I like the nightmare before Christmas. I think I just really like it obviously because of the story, but the animation's just incredible. Yeah. I'm kind of pegged by people as like, oh, she must like Tim Burton. I'm like, I don't really. I find his stuff kind of ooh, I'm spooky and Edward Gorey and all this kind of oh, stuff. I'm like, yeah. I don't know, man. Can you let go of Johnny Depp? Like it's kind of tiring of seeing him and everything and putting on a fake stuff. English accent. But whatever. But he also did come up with Batman Returns, and I really liked Batman Returns. So, you know, I'm not his biggest fan, but I enjoy some of the stuff he's created, unlike Kevin Smith, apparently. So as I was saying, the first script, like there were a few kind of script uh, iterations, as is the case with pretty much every film. The first script had Penguin and Catwoman searching for treasure that happened to be underneath the Batcave. It was more in line with the feel of the first film, but they ended up kind of changing things more and more, eventually landing on and then eventually landing on the, the version we've watched, Robin Williams was going to be the Riddler. So it wasn't just going to be 
Penguin and Catwoman, Robin Williams was involved in some way, and Marlon Wayans was going to be Robin, which was quite quite an interesting choice. However, things... Yeah, uh, Tim Burton said uh, he wanted specifically an African-American to be Robin, but then very late into the, the game, they took him out. Right. So because they did that, Marlon Wayans ended up... He still gets residuals for being Robin in a film that he never was Robin in, <laughs> which is a pretty insane... He's your favorite uh, Wayans, isn't he? It's, it's another way that a movie can lose money, I guess. It's like you make promises you can't keep and you have to <laughs> keep paying people. It's funny that you say that phrase because it's going to come up later. So anyway, Tim Burton wanted Marlon Brando as the Penguin. You know, Marlon Brando from Superman. jor <laughs> From one of the greatest sequels ever made. But after P- the Penguin, like the concept of the Penguin became more kind of weird and creepy, like the version you know now. The role ended up going to Danny DeVito, so Burton thought that Marlon Brando was probably a bit too normal for the role of messed up penguin. So DeVito ended up taking it, but he didn't initially like jump at the chance. He ended up having to be coaxed by Jack Nicholson, who was Joker in <laughs> Batman 1989. That's how we ended up with this wonderful penguin, <laughs> Danny DeVito, in his greatest role. He's very, uh, he keeps bringing up how he likes women. Yeah, he's weird. He's a super creep. He's a super creep in that film. I was watching yeah. it the other day and just being like, dear me, this is gross. Yeah. And I'll never get over him biting that man's nose. I don't like it. And I still kind of partially cover my eyes when that part comes up. I don't know why, but it just really disturbs me. Yeah, that's the one I remember the most. Tim Burton uh, gave Danny DeVito because he thought it was like the penguin is just like the guy with the top hat and a cigarette and a gun we need to make him weirder so he gave yeah Danny, he was he gave he Danny was. DeVito um a picture that he drew and said my name is Billy or something but everyone calls me the freak penguin boy in his weird uh gothy thing he's like you can take your inspiration from this he tried to make him like a reverse Moses weird I, I think um I think like in the new Batman the Batman like the latest Batman Peng- the Penguin's played by Colin Farrell, and he's just kind of like a gangster boss, um, much to the chagrin of a friend of mine who's just like, why is he not a creep? Why is he not a freak? Why is he just a guy? <laughs> a bit fatter face or something like that, right? Yeah, he was in a time. fat suit or whatever. It's kind of stupid. Anyway, going back to this film, Catwoman was a fairly sought-after role, so it was initially going to be played by Annette Benning, but she became pregnant, so she couldn't do the role. Um, and kind of opened it up to other actresses trying out. So Madonna tried to go for it. Yeah. Cher, Sean Young, who was, I don't remember her name, but in Blade Runner. Um, she wanted to play Catwoman so much that she barged into a meeting in a Catwoman outfit and said, I am Catwoman. Uh, that didn't fly very well with the studio head, so she didn't get the <laughs> role. Um, she later appeared on the Joan Rivers show in 91 to kind of wag her finger at Tim Burton about the role and not getting it. How dare you not make time to see the Catwoman? Not even so much as granting me a meeting. In fact, like Sean Young was supposed to be Vicki Vale, the love interest in the first Batman, the 1989 Batman, but she was recast after an injury. So I suppose she thought I should have a role in this coming film. It should be Catwoman. Her kind of antics didn't work. However, there was another actress who was considered for Vicki Vale, and that was Michelle Pfeiffer, and she eventually got the role of Catwoman. And did a really good job of it. She didn't get it because uh, Michael Keaton said they used to date. And it was going to be weird. 
Oh, well, I guess he got over it. <laughs> so uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, kind of well known. She mastered the whip for the role. So she really got into learning like whip tricks and stuff. There's some behind the scenes footage of sh showing her cracking the whip and doing it, at a, uh, basically doing it with such precision that it's just kind of one of her, I don't know, tricks now. Parlor tricks that she shows at parties now. I, I really like that behind the scenes one. It was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, she's 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 really good. <laughs> it's kind of an interesting one. I guess it's the fun of acting. Maybe you can kind of try your hand at little things in addition to reciting lines, I suppose. I really like the way she acted in the movie. Like she did, yeah, she, she did, did a good job. Thing, and then how she was slowly going crazier. <laughs> Everybody did a, a good job in that film. I even when I was younger, I was a bit like, "What the hell is it with this Michael Keaton guy? I don't really get him," and I still don't. But at the same time, he did a good job, and I'm happy enough with him in this. I think he's gonna play it again in like an Arrowverse movie or something like that. See I, I don't know. I, I don't know all. I don't keep up with some of that stuff because it just doesn't interest me. <laughs> in terms of other famous faces that were in that film, Christopher Walken was in it. A lot of people don't remember that. Um, he played Max Schreck, who was kind of a corporate boss character. And the name Max Schreck came from the actor who played Nosferatu. Fun Easter egg, I guess. The classic 1922 movie. It's over 100 years old now. Yeah, the really scary, scary looking Dracula thing. Uh, Max Schreck was originally, well, at one point he was supposed to be revealed as Penguin's brother, but they kind of tossed that out, which sort of makes sense because I remember watching it and just being like, why is this guy anything? But I guess he was a boss and I guess he was the one that essentially made Catwoman Catwoman. So, you know, I guess you don't have to have him tie into every storyline that way. Michael Keaton, as I said, came back as Batman and he suggested that much of his dialogue be cut, which is noticeable. I noticed that he wasn't talking so much in this film. He's just kind of there. He was going to be like a ranting crazy guy because of his brooding nature, but Mike Keaton was like, make him more stoic. Yeah, and he was. He was very quiet, uh, kind of allowing all the other actors to really like shine and to make good, iconic characters come out on the screen, or at least for me. I think that's what he did. I think he wanted to focus more on the villains and their, their stuff. Yeah, the villains were cool, so it was a really good one to focus on. Batman's Batman's interesting, but he's not as interesting as villains if you have to pair him up. I guess he got the shine in the first one. Yeah. So amongst other things that happened in this film, there were some animal issues. They used actual penguins in the scenes, which is really cute. But some people didn't like it. it led to a few protests. But yeah, they sent the uh, penguins from Antarctica and had to keep the thing really frozen. So animal rights people were like, that sucks. So they also used some puppets by Stan Winston. That guy's everywhere. So that guy was getting a lot of work. But he's really good. <laughs> Another animal uh, incident occurred when a monkey was sent to deliver a note to the penguin. However, the monkey saw the penguin, got scared, and attacked his genitals. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, uh, which was probably really disturbing for everyone on the set. Tavito said, the monkey looked at me, froze, and then left right at my balls. <laughs> Thank God it was a padded costume. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that could have been messed up. I don't know how monkeys act, yeah. but maybe they, they do just go for it. Anyway, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer put a live bird in her. Oh, yeah. She puts that live bird in her mouth, doesn't she? 
That's a yeah, really weird. Kind of weird. Scene. That that's just weird. Also, that poor bird. I think I remember watching it recently and going like, "Is that is real?" That real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, animal wise, not a great film. Story wise, really good. However, the other part that wasn't very good is that it didn't gross as much as the first film. So the first film Ooh. earned four hundred and eleven million. Amazing. But the second one, Batman Returns, only earned two hundred sixty-six million. It cost a little more to make than the first one as well, but it made less. Uh, however, you know, what? Who cares? We got a cereal out of it—a cereal with marshmallows. As a child, that's all I cared about. I feel like two films that I watched during the Halloweeny Christmas time is like Nightmare Before Christmas and this Batman one, Batman Returns. It feels Christmassy, and I like watching it. So it's a nice, it's it's a good film and I enjoy it. The cereal, I don't think I ever had, so I don't have any comments on it, but I would. I think that Chex Mix is really sweet. So if you have that, like that amount of like honey sweetness with marshmallows, I don't think it tastes very good. I never kind of liked it. So it's probably not as good as the original Batman 1989 cereal, which was just basically Captain Crunch. In the shape of little bats. And even those little shapes of bats were questionable because they never look right. Yeah, they're just too puffed out. My memories of the movie? Good. I liked it. But we kind of discussed it throughout this whole thing. So all right. Moving on. Moving on to the to the piece de resistance as Or at least just the last one. <laughs> yeah. The last one. For those of you who love toys, and talking. this one's like really this one like over, overtook like Christmas 1992 Christmas gift wish list for like ever. Just type in talk boy commercial into YouTube and you'll get it. You can have lots of high-tech fun with Tiger's Talk Boy tape recorder. Hey, stop drooling on me. Hey, stop drooling on me. It even has speed control. Hi, kids. We're home early. Hi, kids. We're home early. Tiger's Talk Boy tape recorder comes with audio cassette. Batteries not included. What a wonderful, wonderful commercial. Every dad in the early 90s had a really weird slow voice. I'm the father. <laughs> I still say that. I still say that. The father. Every dad and brain damage. So in this this commercial's for the Talk Boy, which was a toy that was created specifically for Home Alone 2. And it's it's pretty much just a tape recorder you can talk into and replay. It's just a tape recorder. That's it. It's like a tape recorder with a hand grip and an extendable microphone thing, and that's it. Yeah, I guess it has the speaker in it too. God, this thing was so cool. Anyway, it's the the commercials, the story of a child who's just continually playing tricks on his sister with the help of the talk boy. So he's wearing this very thick wool, like knitted jumper sweater thing. Vaguely looks like Kevin's sweater. It vaguely looks like Kevin. It's a little blonde boy. And he records his sister saying, stop drooling on me to the dog. So that way he can play it when the boyfriend who is wearing a full dress shoot slacks and a tie to this date in the house, apparently. He's trying to make himself presentable to the parents. I suppose. And the girl's wearing like a 
a vest, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, the early nineties vest, big pants thing. Yeah, the woman, the women like Ellen DeGeneres, constantly wearing vests. Anyway, the kid plays "Stop Drooling on Me," so the boy thinks like, "Oh, she doesn't want me near me, so I'll just not put my arm around her." So then he records again and plays another trick where he pretends to be a dad who speaks very, very deeply, as you said. <laughs> and the two kids kind of separate on the couch because they're like necking on the couch. <laughs> um, but the kid keeps ruining it for him, for them, excuse me. So they don't really get anywhere. And then it ends with a, a picture of the talk boy, the tape, and it says deluxe talk boy. Battery's not included. What's wrong with this kid? He's a jerk. Yeah, he's just a jerk. But Kevin was a jerk. Home Alone 2 is just Kevin, the jerk. That's all it is. Yeah, almost killing these two men. <laughs> but the thing I hated about these commercials is like, even back then as a naive kid, I was like, that microphone does not carry all the way to where I want to hear it. You know? It's like, I'm not going to stop drooling on me. And then when you press play having to sneak around even though someone's gonna see you press play is like hey stop drooling on me like what was that noise yeah it's um it's uh what's the word um it's selling you the dream that's what it is it's not it's never gonna sell you the reality which is just a very faint recording because more than likely when you recorded it you recorded it from far away <laughs> and then when you're gonna play it out loud it's also gonna be from far away when you play the magnetic tape, it goes. <laughs> it's really weird because I feel like the toy in Home Alone Two just kind of appeared, like it was a product that was sold in the universe of Home Alone Two that Kevin just has. Do you know what I mean? It's not like well, it was clearly made for the film, it but is. yeah, it's 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 sort of neat. Home Alone Two was a good film. It was a good sequel. All of these sequels that we've gone through are all good sequels. I think. Not as good as the original, so. Yeah, I think um, Home Alone Two is is probably Better. considered the lesser. No, I think it's considered the lesser one. I'm always skewed because I always saw the sequels before that I saw the originals as a kid. That's why I like Back to the Future Two a lot, even though that one's a bad film. <laughs> yeah. So Home Alone Two: Lost in New York. Was the sequel, as you know, of Home Alone. Wow. Home Alone was just like a simple movie that they were going to throw out during Christmas because John Hughes and his uh, Brat Packin' Brat Pack movies were big. Brat Packin'. So he just shoved it out and became an unexpected success. And thankfully, due to timing, it is uh, like a special Christmas movie in Poland because it was after the fall of communism. So now it's a really big movie there. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> John Hughes, because of its success, he signed a six-picture deal with 20th Century Fox, uh, <laughs> one of them being Home Alone 2. The film's budget was $28 million, and the main star, Macaulay Culkin, got a pretty big piece of that. $4.5 million plus 5% of the film's gross when you're 11 years old. Wow. It was at the time the highest a child actor got paid for a single film. That's impressive. Okay, so he's like set for life then. Yeah, except what happened to his life. I don't know what's up with him. <laughs> he's kind of flying around. He's kind of chilled out now, I think. I think it went a little bit weird and then it went fine. Yeah, and John Williams came back for the sequel. The, the first movie was kind of small. 
someone John Williams they got John Williams to do the score for the first movie they're like wait how did why did that happen <laughs> that's huge especially the music for the first film is just so good too like that man makes such good music for films like yeah you know how everyone tries to find like their calling i feel like only a few people have found like exactly what they were tailor-made for yeah. i feel like he found it and just like slammed it sometimes they're like he's too mainstream but yeah he just make good things like the only good thing that came out of uh, the prequel series was Duel of the Fates. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think it's just because he, he, like, the emotions that come along with it really just captures the spirit of the film. So it's just a... Uh, he did Jurassic Park too, right? Yeah, I think so. Wait, did he? Yeah, he's just really good. <laughs> yeah, he did that. Yeah, he's, he's just very good. Anyway. Yeah, just really, really good. So a big get yeah. to have gotten him for the first one, so it's good that he came back for the second one. It was a marketing blitz that happened to have numerous sponsors like American Airlines and Coca-Cola. American Airlines, you'll lose your kid. Which, the first one, had Pepsi in it. So they kind of switched Pepsi to Coca-Cola. The Plaza Hotel was used, and because of contractual obligations in using the Plaza Hotel, Donald Trump had to make a cameo in the movie. He told Kevin where the lobby was. Excuse me, where's the lobby? Down the hall and to the left. Thanks. But it had no pool, so they had to move to the Four Seasons in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, yeah, the pool. He loses his shorts. <laughs> I remember that being a pool. Hallmark, the Christmas card company, now known more for their weirdo movies, <laughs> gave away two turtle doves like in the movie. When the sweet old man gives you two turtle doves and give one to your best friend. You have to play that. <laughs> All right. Okay. You see, turtle doves are a symbol of friendship and love. Now, as long as each of you have your turtle dove, you'll be friends forever. The turtle doves. <laughs> Several toy tie-ins were made, like video games, like the horrible Nintendo and Super Nintendo Home Alone games, which I played. They kind of sucked. I don't even remember that, but yeah, okay. And board games. They they made a board game that was just Mousetrap with Kevin's face on it and Marv and Harry. Oh, <laughs> that sort of makes sense, at least, because it is about like getting trapped yeah. in a house. <laughs> in a horror house with a weird kid. Another... Was the Talk Boy, which was featured in the movie. Talk Boy was a crossover of Tiger Electronics, who are now owned by Hasbro. Bro. Who owns everything else, like Monopoly and all that. They keep popping up when we're doing this thing. It was based on John Hughes' specifications. Like, uh, he wanted this type of weird tape deck thing that Kevin could just have. That's why when you first see Kevin, he has it. It's like when you first see him in the second movie, he just has it. And he used it against his Uncle Frank, who sings the Cool Whip song. Cool Whip. Yeah. Everybody grab a spoon and do the Cool Whip. The original was a non-working prop, but Tiger had a working model for it for the 1992 holiday season. And, uh... The kids who were playing in Duncan's toy chest, they were allowed to keep some of the toys. And Kevin, um, Macaulay Culkin was allowed to keep the, the fake talk boy. <laughs> oh, cool. What a lucky boy. Yeah. 
getting $4.5 million. I wish I had that at 10 years old. The movie was released in November before the holiday shopping season, so that was probably something they thought of beforehand. Yeah. I just always hated how it was just one of your freaking older girl cousin's stupid <laughs> tape recorders with like a stick on it. I was like, okay. The spinoffs were created for girls, which made them pink. Nice. Yeah, I remember. They were ugly pink, too. Yeah, I think they had like a flower on it, too, or something. Different sizes, so you could travel it around. And the Talkboy FX Plus pen, which I remember distinctly because we got both of them. I got that pen. That was my pen. And I remember the commercial to it, too. The Talkboy FX Plus pen talked to you. Hi, everyone. It's me, Talkboy FX Plus. And then there was another one where the biology frog talked to it. I loved that Talkboy pen. That was my favorite thing. And then after it wore down and you couldn't get your, like, what, those little cell batteries? I was like, okay, now we can Yeah, man, they were for, like, hearing aids. <laughs> yeah, it's like, now we can't play with this anymore. Just write. Oh, the ink dried up. This thing's a paperweight. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the end of my dang pen. God, I loved that pen. Yeah, you, you I did. I that pen so I much. I remember you using it a lot. There are certain things that I loved. <laughs> that was one of them. Ginger, Ginger the Barbie dog and the Tuckboy FX Plus. <laughs> I loved all those things. They were all so good. They were all wonderful. Anyway, go on. Go on. I can't think of this anymore. Just like the last one, they had animal stuff in it. Uh, one of the bad things that they said, both Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci said one of the worst things they ever experienced was the finale when they were caught because Kevin befriends a weird old pigeon lady, homeless lady. Oh, the pigeon lady. Yeah, I remember her. So they had like a bunch of tar and stuff. And then they th she throws the bird seed at them. And since she handles pigeons, over 300 pigeons, trained pigeons attacked the uh the sticky bandits and they were just said it was a horrible experience and feathers were stuck to them and like michelle pfeiffer one of the birds tried to get into daniel stern's mouth because some of the bird seed fell in his mouth and i was like oh food and they're like pecking out his tongue <laughs> was like, that's, sad. that's horrific it was a pretty big success it earned 359 million worldwide and the critical response was mixed because it was like, this is just a stupid sequel. Come on. We already know you're just trying to milk the cow, get some money. And it was too violent because they're throwing bricks at dudes' heads and setting his head on fire. Like, this one's crazy. But the fans liked it. And I liked <laughs> it too. Even though I knew it was violent, I was like, this is just a cartoon. But now I look at it, I was like, that's crazy. This is yeah, crazy. It was a, yeah, it was, it was a cartoon. That's the thing about it. I think they, they talk about that at yeah. some point where it's just like it, it went a little too hard in some ways. They were going to make a part three, but Culkin's pay and later retirement stopped that. And hmm. he later reprised the role for a few uh, like Google service commercials or something. Hey, Google, what's on my calendar today? You have one event called House to Yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He did, he did. One of them had Joe Pesci watching him reprise the role. It was weird. <laughs> and then the later that, yeah. sequels were far less successful. The third one, I think the third one came out in the films, the movies. I think so. I think it did, but yeah. 
but the rest became the rest came out direct to video or direct to Netflix with Home Alone Aloner again. What's it called? <laughs> I don't know. What's this new one that we saw? With the- there was one, the, the Disney one. Um, it was Home Alone, Home Alonely. <laughs> I don't remember. It It was basically just, yeah. it, it was cute. I, I liked it. I didn't think it was that bad. I think people really hated it, but I thought it was fine. And another connection, Catherine O'Hara plays the mother and she is the wife of Bo Welch, who did the production, set production for uh, Batman Returns. So all these movies had a weird connection. Everything's very ancestral. Yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah. Oh, and another thing, uh, how they use it, they recycle their own people. Uh, John Hughes had his own people, too. That's why Ali Sheedy, the Brat Pack lady, was one of the stewardess ladies. Oh, she was, wasn't she? I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's New York, sir. So, yeah, I like the, again, this one, I remember I remember the first one coming out, but I remember this one more for some reason. But I, re- I really liked it. Yeah. I do like it. I think I like it slightly better because it had a bigger area to play with. And even the emotional stuff, his, he was farther away. So da, 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 Yeah, I like, da, I like the John Williams score. John Williams score. I guess that's probably the best thing I like about it. Unrivaled. Yeah, it was um the John Williams score is just really nice. So I think it's probably and I think this was the first movie that I saw Tim Curry in. I was like this guy looks creepy. He, yeah, I think that is too. I think it was the first one that I ever yeah. saw him in. He he was creepy. You're right. <laughs> Jack Nicholson was supposed to be the character he was but yeah are you serious they got him later and tim curry was supposed to be the joker in the animated series so everything's just a weird weird tiny connections oh well mark hamill did a really good job so why not yeah everything it's just a small it's just a small town it's a very incestuous place that hollywood it's just a small town hollywood what's the biggest small town what's that from what's that the city that has that name i have no idea All right, we need to blow through this because we have given you quite a lengthy introduction into all these films and their associated marketing materials. (laughs) So let's get into the ratings. All right. Wow, that was a good rating song. Um, all right. Of the of the ads, which was your least favorite? The ads. So we've got uh, Batman serial, Talk Boy, and the Alien Punch Em Ups. I guess Batman serial because it just looks so ridiculous. Batman's like a cool guy and uh, he has the Batmobile and all the dumb. The interspersion on a slow day. <laughs> the splicing of the the movie scenes were good and cool, but he's just analyzing cereal. I was like, "What are you doing?" Batman, Batman <laughs> you know, was like, "With cool marshmallows, I don't care. Do something cool. Beat up the cereal. Beat up the cereal." <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that one's probably the best. I mean, the 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 last on my list too, because it's just kind of like. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's him and his cereal. He yeah. must he must like his cereal. 
Uh, second for me, I'm having a little trouble. I'm going to go with Talk Boy because it's kind of dumb. I Maybe just, you're dumb. <laughs> I just kind of hate how the kids just being mean. And the fact that I knew that the vocals couldn't carry like 20 feet. So, yeah, I, I was like, okay, yeah, you're selling me false advertising. I'm seven years old. I can see through your scam. I think you're just a little sore. That's my feeling on it. I'm sore because I got the stupid talk boy and it didn't give me. And you got super cool pen that makes bullfrogs talk. Kiss me, I'm a prince. <laughs> got the coolest pen. No, I, I personally I personally have no beef with it. Uh, no, I think that um, Bat, Batman is the third one and the second one is aliens sorry i couldn't remember <laughs> aliens for some reason i think aliens because it's just your kind of run-of-the-mill hey it's a monster let's beat him up boom 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 everybody enjoy our really cool toy buy this toy here's this toy buy this toy and i don't know it's it's fine i, I enjoy it but i just don't like i want i want to buy it but i'm not particularly enamored with the commercial which means number one is alien for you so that would make my first one talk boy as well because I also have mixed feelings about it and I'm neutral. Nah, you said it. So aliens, 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 because it's just it's selling me what it's selling. It's like okay, it's a freaking exciting uh, alien thing and a guy who thinks he can trick aliens with a costume, but it's just the stupidity and the kinetic energy of it all and what it's trying to sell me. It's like hey, look aliens and just on their own that things look cool so things do look cool if i now, wanted to play with it i'd be like okay cool now for me or acid water at people's faces so i can i can appreciate that but i do feel like the first one i mean i do like the talk boy because it tells a story rather than just like beat them up it tells the story of a kid kind of screwing around with his his sister and her boyfriend or whatever it is so that's fun and also the little product itself it's showing it in action and how obviously i can use it but i think that's just the product itself looks cool i mean obviously nowadays if you show a kid a tape they'd be like well first off they'd be like what is that rather than like oh that's passe but if you showed a kid a few years after they would be like oh that's passe but i think it actually looks cool the way it's packaged yeah but what would you what would be the equivalent today is like here's a voice recorder child it's like yeah yeah great (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, like a voice recorder that slightly changed the sound of your voice. The only like, thing that made the Talk Boy cool was because it was in the movie. This is like yeah. just a gray thing. It's like, wow. It was huge, too. It wasn't that portable. All right. So yeah, That's why they made the portable version. Later. Okay, so which one of these would you like to have? Like, what do you think is the best for you? So for me as a ooh, that's actually really difficult. Because, like, for me as a kid, the talk boy, because the talk boy was, like, huge. And you actually had And it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I probably would have really enjoyed the the spitting. This is the thing. Alien if I didn't boy. get that spitting alien, alien, I don't care about the other toys. The spitting what alien. What about Atax in his bad bug suit? Who cares? <laughs> but if we're talking about me today, absolutely the cereal. <laughs> I'm having trouble how to answer this because the cereal is just cereal. Today or yesterday, it's like I just eat it. Great. The talk boy, it's the most useful, but today it's dead. 
we don't use yeah. the magnetic tape anymore. So I guess I'd be stuck with playing with alien plastic guys. You just have a vintage toy. Or I'd play with the 1979 Kenner Alien, which is 18 inches tall, and it looked awesome. I think we've made our cases. Okay, and the final question, your favorite movie of these three. Favorite movie? Oh, that's difficult. I think that's really tough. That's actually really tough. I'm going to go with Batman. Yeah, I like all of these movies like on a personal level, but I guess I'd go with Aliens because they're not super childish and it can get up as you grow with the action. That's true. Batman, like you can like it when you're also, little and you can like it when you're old. Batman would Batman scare you can, as a kid. Batman can kind of Yeah, that's it. Batman, I really like it, but something about it just I guess doesn't fly. It is too, it does to feel to me to Tim Burton. On a note with Batman, though, I, at the end, I, that's one of my favorite endings as a kid because he's walking away all sad because his girlfriend died and everything. And then it ends with the bat signal with triumphant music. <laughs> like, all oh, right, the Danny Elfman music. Yeah. I'm like, all right, this is cool. And then her head pops up looking at the bat yeah. signal. All right. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think it's Batman. Like, that's so tough, though. All three of yeah. those are really good. I, I yeah. could watch... Like, if you put any of them on right now, I would absolutely be happy enough to watch them. Yeah. Like, they're all just very good. All right. So, so that was... I kind of like this episode. So I like talking about this episode. <laughs> all right. Well, everyone, I hope you liked listening to this episode. <laughs> I like talking we, about it on my talk, boy, and replaying it. We're going we're gonna to mosey on out and potentially watch one of these films. Actually, I will be watching one of these films at some point. It's getting closer to Christmas time, so... And it's so getting closer watch, to halloween time. We um, can watch so, Batman Returns or uh, Home Alone 2. Well, you can watch you can watch Aliens any time of the year, but it's scary. It's got a scary monster. I know, but and, the other ones have Christmas in it, so... Yeah. Well, I'm talking about the spooky time. Oh, okay. Right. So thank you for listening. If you like us, make sure to subscribe to us. If you've just come across us, make sure to subscribe and tell your friends about us and say, hey, there's a podcast where people go into these commercials and it's kind of interesting. It's good for listening in the background and learning some things. So share, share, share. And we're also on Facebook and Instagram as Retroad Review, uh, where, you know, you can post and talk to us there. So with that, we will catch you on the other side of the next episode. We will catch you if I can. We'll be back with our next episode, which we'll talk about commercials. I will be eating my Batman cereal, playing with my action figure to talk to my talk boy, saying goodbye. All right, folks. See you later. Bye. Bye. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs>